Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. Hello, DealQuest listeners. Corey Kupfer here. This is a solo cast, and I'm going to be talking about something called a SPAC, S-P-A-C, which you may or may not have heard of, but it's the biggest thing that, you know, looking at uh, 2020, looking back at 2020, it is a vehicle that became very, very hot. And for some folks, you know, you might have heard of it, some haven't, but I think it's interesting to understand what SPACs are, what they're used for. And let's start off with what does a SPAC stand for, S-P-A-C. So it's a special purpose acquisition company. So the difference uh, with a SPAC is that there's a few things. Number one, it is a public company. So somebody files, registers a company to become public, just like on public offering, like any other company. However, this company has no operations whatsoever. All right. It is a entity that is formed for the sole purpose of doing acquisitions and it goes public prior to doing a single acquisition. So it raises money for the purposes of acquiring another company or companies in the future. And that company or companies are not designated in any way. So, you know, let's say it's going to, in most cases, acquire a company. Nobody knows who that company is going to be. And the promoters, the founders, the people who are putting together the SPAC may have an idea of a target, but they may not actually. So they're raising money on what some people, you know, another name for them have become blank check companies. Why a blank check? Because you're essentially investing in something that you don't know where it's going to end up. Now, why would anybody ever do that? Well, listen, if you look at most investors who invest in private offerings, let's start out with private offerings, right? And then, you know, at the time, many of them will say, for example, your, your venture capitals, your sophisticated angels, many of them will say that, you know, one of the biggest things they're investing in is management. And, you know, although obviously in those cases, there is a difference and that they do get to vet and look at the idea of the company that's being pitched, they also know that that company's probably going to evolve and pivot and who knows what it's going to do. So, you know, there is that difference though. They get to evaluate the actual idea, but a big part of why they're investing often is in management. So in a SPAC, you're definitely investing in the management team and the founders and the promoters, because you will think, you know, that you'll have confidence that they're going to make the right choices on making the right acquisitions. Pre-acquisition, you know, there is, well, I should say this, not pre-acquisition. In most cases, the SPAC has two years, right? And this all depends on how it's drafted. But in most cases, it's pretty standard, become pretty standard that the SPAC has two years to make an investment or else the uh, investors get their money back with interest because the money is put in a sparing account. So there's not a lot of risk of the lack of an investment being made because you do get your money back and you do get um, interest on that money. Uh, you know, so, you know, maybe there's an opportunity cost, you know, there because you could have invested that money differently, whether it was in other, you know, companies or maybe in higher return investments. You know, that's not too bad. 
the real risk is involved is, you know, what kind of company does the, do the promoters end up buying and does that work out? Now, just to give you an idea of what is happening with these SPACs, in 2020, there was a record 78 billion, this is Microsoft News has reported, record 78 billion raised in the US. And actually they're quoting Bloomberg. So those numbers come from Bloomberg. And that exceeds the combined total of SPACs in all the previous years ever. (laughs) And made up about 45% of the 2020 IPO volume. So of all the companies that went public, right, 45% of them are these blank check, you know, SPAC companies. So that, you know, that's amazing. I have some other stats, if I can pull them here on the difference between, you know, what has happened in, in past years, because they started kicking up in 2019. They had been around again for about 20 years. In, uh, let's see, in 2019, there were 59 SPACs that raised $13.6 billion. So if you look at the $13.6 billion versus $78 billion in 2020, you know, you're talking about, what is that? Yeah, that's, you know, more than five times the numbers. In fact, it's almost, I guess it's almost six times, you know, the, the amount raised. Plus 2019 was a big jump up from prior years. So it's become a hot vehicle. Now, why has it become such a hot vehicle? Well, there's a few reasons. Number one, investors are looking for returns. Returns are, interest rates are low, parking money on the sidelines, you know, putting it in safe investments like that, getting almost no returns. Obviously, the stock market's been doing good, but investors who invest in SPACs are people looking for higher returns. You know, this is money that maybe in the past would have gone into hedge funds, but they haven't performed quite as well, you know, over the years. There's some similarities, although hedge funds are normally private. And also hedge funds often, you know, make multiple in, you know, investments in different things. This is a public entity that's for single purpose, single investment. This is one other similarity with a hedge fund is that hedge fund uh, promoters often take 20% off the top or, you know, the classic structure is what they call two and 20 in a hedge fund, which means that they take 2% on the assets that they uh, hold and the money they've raised plus 20% of any profit. In a SPAC, the two is usually not there, but the 20% of the upside is, you know, has been the the classic promoter piece or founder, you know, uh, piece in a SPAC. Although, you know, it's been interesting because uh, if you read a lot of the press and you study it in 2020, it's become so competitive because there've been hundreds of, of SPACs that have been formed. And a lot of the promoters are you know, sort of competing for money and they've gotten very competitive and changed their, you know, they're taking less, they're making more of their returns contingent upon results. You know, the 20% is getting squeezed in various ways. You know, getting sort of warrants, on, you know, on other deals. And so there is some competition there that's pushing down uh, the promote, as they call it. You know, so what the founders get is, you know, often a promote. It's the piece that they get off the top for putting the thing together. You know, there's been some squeeze on that, you know, with the competition that's been going on. A lot of big names in SPACs, you know, the big investment banks that you've heard of, Credit Suisse, uh, Goldman Sachs, a number of those, uh, you know, banks have, have been very active informing these SPACs, Citigroup, Credit Suisse, I think it was the number one, Citigroup was second, like I said, Goldman's involved, you know, sort of low interest rates. And by the way, I talked about the fact that the market's been doing well. Well, you know, you, you can invest directly in the market, but what's also happened here is that's been a reason why so many of these SPACs have, you know, been formed and taken, you know, and again, they do IPOs, right? So, you know, the market is strong. So the valuations are high, even for these SPACs, so they can raise a lot more money on these blank check companies right now. What are the risks of that? What does that mean? Well, obviously, if the market cools, that's a problem. You know, if the market goes down and there's less valuations are lower, 
then SPACs will become less attractive. Certainly, uh, the SPACs that raised all that money, you know, if they don't right, make the right investments or if they make investments now in companies, you know, and then the market goes down, that could be a problem. And as interest rates go up, if which may not happen anytime soon, you know, then the, the comparison of a safer investment versus a riskier investment looking for higher returns like a SPAC may, you know, that evaluation, you know, may change. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. Now, what's the advantage of a SPAC, of being acquired by a SPAC from a, a company that ends up being acquired by them? Well, there's a few things. Number one, it sort of helps you skip a step, meaning that many companies will raise that last round of capital. You know, they'll they'll do the friends and family and the and the, you know maybe the angel investors in the Series A, and Series B, et cetera. You know, go through the typical financing stages and you know raise the last you know round of capital before they then have to go public. Well, in order to go public as an operating company, it's a very complex structure. And you know, there's a roadshow. You're raising the money. You're doing all the filings with the SEC. There's a lot of disclosures. And that kind of stuff. Well, when you get acquired by a SPAC, the SPAC's already public. And not that there's not some filings that have to be done, but it's much more simple, you know, comparatively, it's less complex. And you, by getting acquired, you basically, you know, you become public, you know, without having to file for your own IPO. Now, some people might have heard the concept of, you know, shell, you know, there, there are these shell companies that, uh, you know, are public that, you know, whether they've stopped operating, gone out of business, and sometimes will be, a company will merge into a public shell. The difference between that is that the public shell, you really got to be uh, worried about past liabilities that might come up. You know, you have to real do real due diligence on how clean the shell is. There's a history there, uh, usually trading at low dollar amounts. This, you know, SPAC is, you know, something that's, you know, very professionally formed, managed for the sole purpose of doing an acquisition is 100% clean because it hasn't done anything before it acquires your company. So there is that opportunity to get into, you know, merge into a clean vehicle, sort of make it easy to hit the public markets and, you know, tap that capital that's available from a SPAC. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I, I've heard even in the wealth management space where there's been a lot of new private equity and things like that coming into the space over the last number of years, you know, there's some SPACs looking around. They've hit many other industries, you know, as well. And, you know, it's sort of the hot new structure. Now, not really new. Like I said, it's been around 20 years, but it's become the hot structure lately, at least. Uh, you know, it's been in terms of the, the volume, you know, that has been using that it's occurred. You have major players, you know, people like, you know, Bill Ackman, who is a billionaire hedge fund manager. He raised a, a SPAC $4 billion in July of, of 2020. You know, major people are raising significant, significant capital through these SPACs. So, you know, what does that mean? Well, who knows? I mean, this thing could be the greatest thing for a while, or maybe it's a opportunity in the market right now, or listen, or maybe like anything else, it's getting overheated, right? When everything, everybody runs into a, a particular area and raises you know, money like that, well, you know, who knows whether the buying decisions are going to be made right. I read a statistic somewhere that uh, the majority of the uh, SPAC acquired companies in 2015 and 16 are not making money yet. So, you know, three, four, you know, four or five years later, not making money. Now, 
some of that is because some of these investments are going into sort of new technology that has a lot of R&D and, and upfront costs and slower, you know, turn time in terms of getting to profitability. So, you know, you may say, hey, some of that is, you know, is on track, but, you know, maybe that is, you know, a cautionary sign. So it's an interesting to look, thing to look at. It's not the kind of thing that the average uh, person is going to uh, have access to or invest in if you don't have significant investable assets, likely. And it's also not the kind of vehicle that if you run some, you know, really, you know, small, you know, company that a SPAC is going to become interested in acquiring your, you know, million dollar business, you know, but if you run a more significant, uh, you know, even mid-market company, it doesn't have to be huge. You know, one of the potential acquirers, uh, you know, in, in all of the acquirers, including financial buyers, strategic buyers, things like that may potentially be these SPACs. They're worth watching and checking out. So again, special purpose acquisition corporation uh, formed for the purpose solely blank check invested in and brought public prior to doing any acquisitions, normally two years to acquire a company or else you get your money back. Once they acquire the company, then you know you're you're basically in invested for the you know period of time that the company's there. And you know, really what you're betting on is that the, the founders, the promoters, et cetera, are going to be make the right decisions and buy the right companies and use the capital wisely. But it's it's interesting how they've really, really taken off. You know, a little uptick in 2019 and an explosion in 2020. We'll be monitoring them in 2021. There are some um, predictions that, that volumes in 2021 would be will be as active. There's a quote from the city's uh, co-head of equity capital for the northern markets, you know, who who said uh, it's, uh, let me see if I have his name, Paul Abraham's Zeta. I hope I'm not butchering, I may be butchering his name. But in any case, you know, he thinks that SPAC volumes will be as active in 2021 as they have been in 2020. But he says if rates uh, stay where they are. So that's a, a key point. If rates stay where they are, the other factor, of course, is the market. So interesting to follow. We'll be following them. Check them out. A lot of information out there on SPACs uh, nowadays. You know, I just, I'm always interested in new, become more popularized, you know, uh, approaches for doing deals and for raising capital. And certainly, you know, SPACs are hot right now. All right, folks, I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.